Hi, everyone. I just want to let you know about an exciting thing that we have coming up. As you all know, the Return to Hogwarts special is coming out on New Year's Day. And as you all also know, it's very important that we not watch it. The message needs to be sent to HBO that there's no profit in making more Harry Potter-related content. So to that end, we are hosting a boycott live stream with our friends Robin and Bayana from Black Girls Create and the Wizard Team podcast. We're going to be like reading and talking about some of the fan theories that you folks have sent to us and just generally hanging out and having a fun time. It's going to be just like silly and low-key we're gonna do it in a way where you're gonna be able to talk to us through a chat i think we're gonna do it on like Streamyard or youtube or i think both is how that works i haven't figured it all out yet uh other things i haven't figured out yet is most of the details so we don't actually have a time pinned down yet um, but it will be sometime early evening eastern time i think So just keep an eye on our social media for updates about that. And I'll also put a link in the show notes to a page on our website that I will update as soon as I have information for you. If you are checking on socials, we're at The Gaily Prophet on both Instagram and Twitter. Other things that are going to be on social media related to this is like a little guide to alternative ways to celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the movies. So that'll be out on social media as well that you can check out and share because I'm sure it'll be fun and cute. And yeah, that's everything. Looking forward to hanging out with you on the internet on New Year's Day. And uh, with that... Gay people love puns. I'm dead. We have to stop this podcast. And this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dykish Ordinaire, Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about Chapter 17 of Goblet of Fire, The Four Champions, in which everyone in this goddamn school, including Harry, is like, what the fuck? Why did Harry's name come from the fucking goblet? Harry ends up joining the three champions in a like outer chamber who are all like, excuse me? What the hell? <laughs> and the other headmasters are understandably livid. Dee Dee infamously asks Harry if he did this calmly, but uh, <laughs> he did not. And Harry is clueless per usual as who did it. Fake Moody, in a stroke of genius, tells everyone how he got Harry picked, and everyone waves it off as paranoid nonsense. Regardless, Harry has to commit, and it sucks because no one's going to believe him that he didn't do it themselves. And they don't. The Gryffindors are elated by this, and Ron, dear Ron, is seething with jealousy. Yes. I just want to real quick say thank you to Aaron and either Carolyn or Caroline, who left us donations recently, and to C. Eloise, Jamie, LH088, and EC, who left us reviews. Thanks, y'all. You're also great. Uh, And with that, we're going to get to today's headlines. Rumors abound as Harry, I swear I didn't do it, Potter, (laughs) somehow gets chosen as the fourth Triwizard Champion. (laughs) 
yeah. Imagine just being a background like Ravenclaw. You're like, literally, what the fuck is up with this dude? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel bad for Harry, but come on, you have to understand why no one believes you that you didn't do this, Harry. You're you big main character energy. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I love Floor so much. She's just very, she's just very on point with her observations in this chapter. But I think my favorite is what she's basically like, why is this toddler competing? <laughs> and Harry's like, excuse you. <laughs> it's so mean. I love it so much. Oh, can you imagine, like, thinking back to when you were 14, if this, like, hot 17-year-old called you a little boy, and you'd just be like, fuck How you. dare you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be my immediate response. Yeah. Uh, so frustrated. Yeah, I feel like Harry <laughs> actually handles it really well. Um, So, I don't think I've talked before about how my child brain constructed the great hall when i read these books which is how i still see it now because it's you know Mm. what my memory is but this might be the book where i realized that like what i was imagining didn't make any sense but basically i always imagined that the top table where the teachers sit was like like a box seat in a theater like they had Mm. to enter from like stairs to the side and it had like a it was like a balcony with like a railing and that they all just sat on one side like what is it da vinci's last supper painting facing yeah. out to the students but like 20 feet above everyone else which is it's it's very silly but also i mean they I do like call it. it the high table and i feel like up until this point it's, it's clearly like they're at a place where they can see what's happening in the great hall so you kind of like that has to be high up if you're looking at however many hundreds of kids are allegedly here that's true yeah, I think I had maybe up to this point imagined a lot more windows. So I'm just like, this antechamber, what the fuck? Where's this door at? <laughs> <laughs> like windows behind the teachers alongside with the windows on either side of the hall. Right. I mean, there could be. They could be magic windows. That's true. Um, what do you have next? I just want to shout out to Minnie McGonagall, who is literally about to beat Severus's ass <laughs> and everyone else's. There are so many exclamation points. She is just a second away from transfiguring all the chairs into beating everyone for her. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And honestly, Snape deserves to get his ass beat by Minerva in this moment. He really I mean, in a lot of moments, but especially in this moment. Yeah, he really, really does. He's so terrible. Um, My next point is also a McGonagall point. It was just a question, though. Like, what is she immediately goes over before Harry's even gotten to the table and she's like whispering frantically to Dumbledore. And I just want to know what you think they're talking about. I don't know. I guess if I had if I had to if I had to guess, I would assume something of the lines of we are not letting this fucking minor do this dangerous ass shit. And Dumbledore's like, we can't do anything about it. It's like, aren't you the like most powerful wizard in the world? You could have done something about it. <laughs> just saying i don't know it is a binding magical contract actually i have a i have a lot of that in editorials where i just yell at this cup for so long cool 
Um, yeah, what do you have next? Um, Violet the Portrait, who... It seems like whenever this room behind the head table seems very boring to sit in normally. And Harry is like, wow, she must have vaulted... She must have just, like, vaulted herself up, like, seven flights of stairs across the portraits uh, to get to the fat lady, which is such a hilarious mental image. I know. <laughs> so... And also just opens up so many more questions, which I'll also talk about later. Sounds good. So something I really appreciated was Harry taking the time to appreciate Madame Maxime's taste in jewelry. (laughs) He, like, not just, like, knows what an opal is, also can recognize a high-quality opal. He calls them superb. Like... Cool. This is an unexpected side of Harry Potter. I know. Good on, good on Harry. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Fucking Ludo Bagman. Like, he is the only one who, like, either can't or refuses to grasp the seriousness of this situation. Where he's just like, fucking score. We have the fucking boy who lived in the <laughs> Triwizards Tournament. He is so stoked. <laughs> and it is... Like, read the room, dude. <laughs> not the time. <laughs> I, honestly, I really love the way that he, the way that he responds, where he's just like, I mean, I think obviously knows that it's not the time, and he's just like, but I'm stoked, and I'm not going to hide that right now. I'm like, cool. Yeah, it actually, it actually, it helps to bring just some levity to the situation, because it's like, everyone's like, what the fuck, and Ludo is just like, this is going to be so fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If everyone could just get some perspective and think about how cool this is. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. So as you mentioned in your in your intro, Fake Moody just tells us exactly what he did. And then Karkaroff is like, sounds like you did it. And then everyone's like, LOL. And it does not, it doesn't tip us off as readers at all. Like the end is still such a surprise. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, I like, I think part of the reason why this is one of my favorite books is that I just, I don't really like mystery novels. So I don't, I've like not really read a whole lot of them. Um, So like getting to the end of this book and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I did not see this twist coming, literally at all. Yeah. And also it's just like really brilliant for him to just like be out in the open about this. Everyone's like, Psh. <laughs> Yep. Stop being so fucking paranoid. I'm just like truly, truly the best way to do this is hiding in plain sight. You just I mean, also polyjuice, but Yeah. Yeah, it's very bold. But also I guess pretty smart because like that. At this point, that has to be what Dumbledore has deduced has happened also. And so it probably would be weird for Moody to have not said anything. But, like, since he comes out with it, it's like, Dumbledore's like, yeah, Alistair knows what's going on. But it's like, can't do anything about it now. Right. And he, like, implies that Karkaroff did it to to make, you know. Yeah. It's, it is, it's really smart and it's really well done. Uh, yeah. What do you have? Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I know Harry is 14, but uh, we're just getting some more canon evidence that Harry's a short king, <laughs> which, I mean, love a short king. Just uh-huh. just throwing it out there. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, so this is my last thing here, is that I just want to like make sure that we all have heard and understood correctly that the champions are not allowed to ask for help from teachers. That's it. That's the rule. And very rapidly, Harry has internalized this as he's not allowed to get help. Like him and Hermione are sneaking around. He doesn't even think to ask anyone else for help because he thinks he has to do it all by himself. That is not the rule. He's allowed to get help from whoever the fuck he wants, just not teachers. Yeah. And like, honestly, considering like how smart the people around him are, and I'm not just saying Hermione. Because I feel like, again, Moody being really subtle to be like, I'm going to give Neville this book about water plants. Because surely Harry will ask him, which would have been a smart thing to do if Harry, right, wasn't immediately like, no one can help me. Right. <laughs> it's like, my dude. So. Yeah. The Weasley twins uh, right. really, really could have helped him out. Uh, yeah, seriously. I bet they have spent time at the bottom of the lake with the Mer people already. honestly yes they probably have because wait doesn't one of the no i mean i would say doesn't one of them are and secret entrances in the marauders map end up going to the lake but maybe i'm misremembering that anyway never mind but yeah i'm sure they have yeah I, i imagine they would use the bubblehead charm that sounds like the one that they would use but like yeah it's like harry you're surrounded by brilliant people and you're just like, I can't ask anyone for help. I'm just like, my dude. Yep. All right. What do you have? Uh, I just have a couple of s- short things, which is Dumbledore's totally using legitimacy on Harry, right? When he's asking about, did he put his name in the Goblet of Fire? I'm pretty sure they're making direct eye contact. That's the only reason why I asked that. Can't you feel it when someone is... I mean, if Harry was trying to hide that he was lying, maybe he would notice. But I feel like if he's trying to be like, uh, I did not fucking do this. Like, I'm, I'm, maybe it wouldn't take a whole lot of legitimacy to do it, just to be like, oh, well, he's telling the truth. That's true. That would that honestly would make it make a lot more sense. I think somewhere in my editorials, I'm like, this doesn't seem like a very thorough investigation. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that really tracks because Dumbledore is just like, okay, cool. Yeah, which makes no sense. Cause right. I mean, like, again, Dumbledore is obviously, like, has whatever his Xantos gabbit is about, you know, maneuvering Harry so to be his, like, final weapon. But, like, this right here is still just, like, what, you know, it's like, I, this isn't part of the plan. Harry wasn't going to do this. I mean, I guess it's hard to tell because, like, people can surprise you, you know? But. Yeah, I, I also kind of was like it kind of doesn't matter how harry's name got in there given that this seems to be a life or death situation if he participates or not like whether or not he cheated the system to get in his name came out of the goblet if he doesn't participate he dies apparently so yeah i feel like maybe dumbledore just kind of is like can't do anything about it no matter how your name got in there so okay you say you didn't do it fine sounds good um and my last thing is just that this Gryffindor party sucks. <laughs> Why? Like, Harry's like, no one is listening to me. They're just trying to shove things into my hand. And it's like, I don't want your snacks. And I don't want your butterbeer. And I didn't do this shit. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. And it just sounds like a shitty party to be at for Harry. 
Maybe everyone's Harry. drunk. That's the only other thing I could think. Of. I mean, I think everyone else seems to be having a great time. Yeah. It's a rude party. Yeah. I guess this is hard for me because I feel like I would notice someone wasn't having a good time at a party. <laughs> Especially if it's like the person of honor. I'm like, I'd be like, yeah, maybe we should just let him go to bed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I would both be Luna in that situation, I think. Isn't she the one who's really good at being like, so you seem to be having a terrible time. Would you like to go do something else with me? Yeah. And I feel like more importantly, Luna is the person who would actually say that out loud <laughs> and then be like, yeah. we're going to leave. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she does that at some point. I can't remember the context, though. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. Okay, so again, we have this issue with the fucking Goblet of Fire, which, okay, hear me out. We could have prevented this if this goblet as opposed to being in the great hall why couldn't it just been in like some place where there was a shit ton of portraits around to watch it (laughs) in case some tomfoolery like this happens like cool we're gonna do an age line it's like there should be a little more security on a magically binding contract Mm -hmm. than an age line yeah you know speaking of the age line this is something i had in editorials but apparently you can get around the age line just by having an of age person put your name in on your behalf that is the most obvious loophole like it's this this is this is less intense than like getting an 18 year old to buy your cigarettes when you're 14 like how were there not a ton of underage names in there if all you had to do was ask your 17 year old friend to put your name in for you Wow, did, like, people just not think of that? Maybe you can only put your name in it if you... But now that's making sense, because maybe right. Because Dumbledore's name. like, did you ask an older student to do it for you? That seems weird <laughs> that it would not have occurred to anyone else to put... <laughs> but, like, maybe here's the thing. Like, right, so maybe a bunch of Ravenclaws are like, we're going to cheat this fucking system. There's a clear loophole in this. But, like, the goblet maybe wasn't going to pick them anyway because you had a larger magical pool. Like, I mean, if you're pu- if Moody is like, I put Harry in under one school, he's the only person. Right. And like, even if you did get a bunch of older students to put your, you as a like 15 year old name in the goblet, it doesn't necessarily mean you would have gotten, like you could have gotten picked, I guess, but maybe the odds are still against you. Yeah, probably. Clearly the twins should have done that. Cause they probably, one of them might have qualified. I agree. I totally agree. It just seems like such a flaw in the system. And I think that's really, really silly. Wow, that that is such an obvious loophole. (laughs) (sighs) Again, maybe a little bit more security for this thing. Just just a smidge, just a little bit. Yeah. So my only education point we already talked about a little bit, just about Snape. Uh, About why he's in this fucking meeting. Why is... Right. Why is he there just like who let him in i don't understand yeah there's like no reason for him or like honestly moody either but it's like dumbledore is the headmaster mcgonagall is the deputy headmistress like it makes sense for them to be there it does not make sense for snape to be there and just making dickish ass comments yeah i mean he's just there to be like harry potter did it grow up go away this has nothing to do with you, sir. Honestly, McGonagall should have kicked him out. Or at least, like, hit him with her shoe. Like, something. Yeah. 
it's I just feel like uh, in that moment where Dumbledore is like, yes, thank you, Severus. He really should have been like, you're fired, Severus. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get that chessboard, though. (sighs) All right. So my last thing is, so we get the slightly questionable decision that any of the champions get to, like, not take their end of the year tests, right? Mm -hmm. Which I'm like, I don't remember, like, is that... Is that an owl or a newt that he would be that Cedric would be taking? Newt. Yeah, that seems like a kind of important thing to have. Uh huh. So, my question to you is that like, is it sort of like, you know, like in high school, if you did like a college credit or you like test out of a class, it still counts. So is this like this is like whatever you're learning for the Triwizard Tournament count enough to validate not having your end of year testing? <laughs> I don't think it does, but I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, they should probably hold this tournament in the summer. Also a good point. <laughs> There's no reason for it to be spread out across seven or six months. You could have just done it in the summertime. Yeah. And like, yeah, because they're basically like, you're not going to be able to pay attention in class. So, you know, no tests for you. And it's like, this is not good. This is not good teaching. This is not, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not good. Yeah. Maybe the assumption is if you're a tri-wizard tournament contestant or winner, you're going to get a job anyway. I mean, Floor did. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a lot of it is the way that the, you know, the job market works in the society. It's like, well, how much do your needs actually matter? And, you know, can you just say I was a tri-wizard tournament and that like stands in place for having taken your newts because they're like well you must be really special then i mean probably yeah it's like getting an ivy league degree or something (laughs) an honorary an honorarium welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up uh once again i only have one thing here which is our ongoing lookout for gendered terminology for exclamations oh shit i didn't even notice this time we get to this party and three people or four people speak to harry immediately but one of them doesn't get a descriptor of how they speak to him but so immediately fred bellows something george roars something and katie shrieks something that's fucked up yo it's fucked up shrieked is like implies a very unpleasant experience and like she's supposed to be yeah she says you'll be able to pay diggory back for that last quidditch match harry shrieked katie bell like god that sounds awful (laughs) yeah and i mean you know also just the very incorrect assumption of what vocal ranges can do uh, which right. isn't necessarily tied to your your vocal range is not tied to your to sex or gender ever. <laughs> like obviously right yeah it's really just like ev- anyone can yell like full stop or shriek or bellow sure. or bellow or roar or exclaim yeah or shout i don't know also why are all these people being so loud at harry poor harry <laughs> Yeah, he, like, walks into a wall of sound. And I'm like, this is already a terrible party. (laughs) Harry's like, I need to decompress from this and really just fucked up and that just happened to me. 
And everyone's like, no, you want to party, don't you? Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Where would you like to start? Um, okay, so, well, okay, I have, a, I have one rant, but it sort of depends. Do you think that Crouch is currently under the Imperious Curse when we see him in this chapter? I do. Okay, so here is my question, which is, I don't understand how this works from a distance, because he's still responding to stuff, and Fake Moody is not in the room. So it's like, I just have a lot of questions about how this is like logistically working. Yes. And I think that's a like really big, important ongoing question because people can be under the Imperious Curse for like months, years. I mean, there were people in the first war uh, who were being forced to be Death Eaters, apparently. So it's like you can put them under the Imperious Curse and then put it on autopilot. I guess. And I don't know how that works. Right. Cause we, I mean, we see it. It's like Moody's able to like add it and then lift it. It seems like, but apparently I don't know. I mean, maybe just has a foot ton of magic to like have it continuously running in the background or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Cause when, whenever we actually see it used, it's very one to one, like one person is the puppet master. One person is the puppet. Mm-hmm. But apparently people can can be imperious to like go to their jobs and then go, you know, kill people. And the person who has them under Imperio is not there making each thing that they do happen. So, yeah, I mean, maybe if you put someone under an Imperio curse, it was like act like you would normally do in the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it must depend because, I mean, Fake Moody comes in, like, halfway through Crouch being in this room, you know. But he's been, like, going to work, and... That's true. But then at some point he stops going to work, also. It doesn't seem like Fake Moody is very good at the Imperious Curse, weirdly, because Crouch does seem super off to everyone around him, and it sounds like a lot of people were able to live their lives and no one knew they were imperioed imperialist whatever so i don't know i mean i think like i also always assume that there must have been i mean probably a lot of people like lucius malfoy who was like yes i was just imperioed this entire time and it's like no you weren't right that's true but for that to be believable it must be the case that imperious or imperio can work yeah that way right yeah so I would like to welcome everyone to Lark Rants About Writing, <laughs> because this chapter, this 15-page chapter, has 43 ellipses There were so counted. many. I know you did. I'm like, I noticed there were so many, and I'm like, okay, I know Lark's going to talk about this, because there are so many ellipses. So many. 43. What is happening? so much and i was i was looking up like uses of ellipses while i was preparing to rant about this and i just want everyone to know that according to the punctuation guide quote like the exclamation point the ellipse is at risk of overuse end quote yeah i was about to say i'm like i feel like the elements of style is like slow your roll right 
yes it's like this is too much we you don't need you don't need to do this just calm down yeah yeah you definitely could have done some things with just having a short a short sentence that's always effective way to be like a choppy like what the fuck is happening yeah or some commas there's just so many options that are not this that are not 47 I mean, you reminded me, I actually also have a writing rant in this section. Cool. What is it? All right. So uh, this is about the word, the use of the word unctuous in this chapter. Okay. All right. Shit. I thought I had it pulled up. Anyway, so Karkaroff is described as like having a very like oily voice and Mm -hmm. like unctuous usually means sort of like fatty or greasy or like oily. And like, I, I, the only reason I noticed it is because I have literally only ever heard this term, this word used. And like, when I'm watching a, like, some pretentious chef talking about the like food. Okay. Like, like you're watching Top Chef, and someone's like, oh, you know, this is this cheese is very unctuous, like blah blah. I literally had no idea what that word meant until right now. So, thank <laughs> you for teaching me. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, I noticed it because I was just like, I don't, how am I supposed to imagine, visualize what, how Karkaroff's voice is saying if I like don't know what this word is. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, I know what this word is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I just think it's, I think it's not the word I would have used here to describe the way that Karkaroff talks. I mean, even if he is supposed to be like this, like, I don't want to say like used carsman sales sort of guy, but... If you imagine someone trying to sell you something that fell, that fell off the back of a truck, quote unquote, <laughs> you could imagine Karkaroff's voice. I think his voice is supposed to be more... We talked about him last time, uh, or I guess two episodes ago, as sounding or being described similarly to Jafar. So I feel like it's more like that, a voice that's like, sort of like dripping over sincerity, you know? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I found this sentence. I found this, uh, the, the sentences. So we have. Uh, I insist upon resubmitting the names of the rest of my students, said Karkaroff. He had dropped his unctuous tone and his smile now. This is a very weird word choice here. It is. It is a really weird word. Yeah. Especially considering no one knows what it means. <laughs> I mean, the way that it's spelled, I'm just like, how do you, I had to like look up how to pronounce it. And only when I heard the like Google pronunciation say it out loud, did I know what it was. Because mm-hmm. like, I watch a lot of food shows. It's like unctuous and umami are always the things people are like, oh, this food is so great. And- so it means like rich. So people are using it like rich, but I think the actual definition is more like greasy than mm. like rich so like less brie and more like really cheap pizza that's like covered in like oil which i do love actually or did love when i could eat that stuff on cooking shows are they using it as a positive or a negative they're using it as a positive they're mostly using it as like kind of like rich and like fatty like a like a duck breast or like a cheese or whatever yeah marrow but probably yeah like marrow but probably incorrectly essentially okay but well, I mean, the more a word is used to mean a thing, the more it yeah. means the thing. So, yeah. which actually takes us really nicely into my next word rant. Cool. Which is about the word nonplussed. All right. Okay. So Cedric is 
described as looking nonplussed by the announcement that Harry is the fourth champion. This is a word that I have learned what this word means 300 times in my life, more than that probably. And every time I look at it, I'm like, does that mean confused or unimpressed? It Technically, it means confused. However, over the years, because it looks like it means unimpressed, because it has the prefix non, which is actually not a prefix in this case, but it looks like a prefix. But like, we think of non as being a, a negator, right? So like, un, like unplussed, even though plussed doesn't mean anything. But yeah. And so your brain is like, this means not something and it sounds it just looks like it means unimpressed so i in checking this time because every time i come across that word i'm like which one of those does it mean i found an article on the merriam-webster website that was like because by by definition the dictionary is descriptivist Mm -hmm. this word now has two meanings and now it means both which i think makes it a useless word because those (laughs) two things are very different from one another and in that case cedric could be looking bewildered or unimpressed and to not know which one of those he's supposed to be looking dramatically changes the tone of his reaction this is true i guess this is true i guess just I think you're right. I guess I feel like just the way that so many people use nonplussed, I always just go for unimpressed, honestly. It means confused, though. Like, the more accurate definition is that it means confused. Yeah. But I guess, I think you're right about it being confusing because it does have two pretty different meanings to have for a word. But I guess what I'm thinking is that there are so many different, very common synonyms for confused and maybe not as many for unimpressed that like mm. i i guess i'm just wondering that like i bet over time it's like not even going to be used like as confused anymore it'll just be unimpressed interesting because i feel like i and I, I feel like whenever i see that word i just assume it's just like they're unimpressed because i was like yeah. wow it's just being really chill about this whole thing right now. <laughs> right no but he's confused <laughs> Because it goes on to say that he's looking politely bewildered or something. And I was like, wow, that is a condescending tone to manage with your face. Well done, Cedric. I feel like politely bewildered is very like, oh, that's what a like rude yet I can't call you out on it kind of facial expression to me. But I guess I always, I guess, I don't know. Maybe this is also just because of the context that people use bewildered where I just always think of it as like, a softer confused i guess mm-hmm. or it's like it doesn't seem room because he's kind of like I, you know i don't know what's going on here and i'm just gonna <laughs> keep pretending like i'm just gonna follow the social script here and just be like yep okay all right i'm gonna think about this later <laughs> good night yeah. harry potter <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna get drunk in the hufflepuff common rooms now because of what the yeah. fuck yeah so now that we all know i just feel like maybe Maybe we should retire nonplussed. That's my vote. Yeah. That's true. I don't think I've ever used nonplussed ever. Definitely not in speaking. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's definitely a a fiction writing only word, I feel like. But also, you don't have to use nonplussed to prove to people that you have a good vocabulary. Yeah. And like sometimes I feel like people get caught up in being like, I've said the confused like eight different times. And I'm like, 
if it works for the a the narrative style and like b that's what's happening it's fine like very few people are going to be like wow i really saw confused 18 different times and now i'm so angry it's like no this is very confusing for everyone involved (laughs) it's doing the work it needs to do (laughs) yeah and there's so like you said so many synonyms for confused that are not nonplussed so yeah anyway what do you have next are we still in a trial we are oh yes uh okay i do one more thing which is this has to be the end of them trying to do the Triwizard Tournament, right? Like, they, they're not going to try this again because of all this bullshit, right? And this, if they are, they're not going to use a fucking Goblet of Fire, which is clearly <laughs> much less infallible and secure than, I don't know, picking some names out of a hat. <laughs> you could have just done that. That's not, that's not very uh, rigorous. I feel like... It should be more like getting selected for the Olympics. So just like lots of tryouts. Mm-hmm. Even one tryout. <laughs> Even one tryout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I assume it's done for sure. At least until all of these headmasters are no longer headmaster. Maybe it'll get revisited. Sounds like, you know, it would be a cool idea. This Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. All right, so McGonagall gets, like, so mad that people are doubting that Harry didn't put his name in the goblet. And she just, like, so quick, like, definitely not enough questioning has happened before she's like, Harry couldn't have crossed the age line. Dumbledore believes he didn't have an older student do it for him, which I'm sure is good enough for everyone, so case fucking closed. (laughs) You're like, are we (laughs) sure? professor mcgonagall because i don't feel like the case is closed at all i think i feel like part of it is maybe she's the only adult appropriately freaking out about her 14 year old student about to do this dangerous ass bullshit i kind of thought that she was similar to ludo like really excited about the gambling opportunity oh i'm sure i'm sure (laughs) she just seems very ready to be done discussing whether or not harry can compete i i think this is definitely part of it um she's definitely excited about all the gambling opportunities but also i like to believe that she's also the other person to be like this is like this this is a freshman like <laughs> like his grades are okay i don't know if he's ready for this yeah um okay and then my last editorial is that they say that the first task is a test of daring and their ability to like think on their feet in the face of danger and so they don't get any preparation they don't get to know what they're going to be facing ahead of time i just want to know in what world steal an egg from a dragon is something that they don't think you should get the opportunity to prepare for i mean what if you're in a fairy tale store and you gotta steal an egg i mean i don't (laughs) know Coming face-to-face with a dragon is going to test your daring whether or not you've made a plan for how you're going to steal an egg from said dragon. That's true. That is true. I don't think you should ever send someone to steal an egg from a dragon without them knowing what they're going to have to do, personally. This is true. This is true. Yeah, and I mean, they already already only have their wand, so I think there's definitely, like, right. There's only so much preparing you can actually do, but... I mean, right. and it's clearly a bullshit rule because everyone finds out anyway, unofficially. Right. So it really just would have been made just to even the playing field, just tell everyone since like everyone knew but C- but Cedric. 
until Harry was like, yo, it's dragons. Right. Yeah. I Yeah, I definitely think they should have been given all of the information up front. <laughs> Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask for your support and then make you laugh. The Gaily Prophet is powered by magical, wonderful humans who we are honored to call our patrons. We are so grateful for the opportunity to bring this project into the world, so we want to give a massive thank you to all of you who currently support us, have supported us in the past, and will support us in the future. Oh, were you expecting an ad? Too bad, you got a love letter instead. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I, I mean it. Um, <laughs> next up. Attention authors, do you have a manuscript that you're eager to put out into the world, but something is giving you pause? Are you finding yourself hesitating? Like maybe there's just something not quite finished. It sounds like you have dot, dot, dot disorder. But But don't worry, dot, dot, dot disorder is totally treatable with help from a copy editor. Copy editors are 97% effective at eliminating excessive ellipses, as well as many other writing-related afflictions. So call about a copy editor today and get ready to release your manuscript with confidence. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Would you like to start? Uh, I can start. Um, Okay. I don't remember if we've talked about this before, which is... So portraits can move between their other portraits if they're painted somewhere else, like Mm -hmm. with Phineas, whatever you pronounce his name. And we know sort of that that the portraits can move between different paintings at Hogwarts as we see... Violet really just book it <laughs> to the fat lady's portrait. And I just have a, I just am like, so like, how are these like unrelated portraits connected? And so my, here's my theory is that the like ambient magic of Hogwarts is sort of like Wi-Fi that's connecting all of the portraits together in order to be able to travel between them. I like it. Because it, there must be a reason why portraits outside of Hogwarts can travel between like my portrait at Hogwarts, my portrait, my portrait at Grimmauld place, whatever. So it's like, so clearly they're not just organically connected just because they're magic. So. Right. And they can't bring people from, they ask Phineas to bring Dumbledore to his portrait in Grimmauld place, but he says that he can't do that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in like a magic, a, a, magical household but not you know not something as intense as hogwarts do you think that your portraits would be able to travel throughout the portraits in your home i would think so because we never get an explanation of why the portraits can do it at hogwarts so i would i would assume that they could with whatever magic allows them to do that why doesn't sirius's mom pop up in all of the portraits through the whole house all the time then that is true Maybe they managed to bind her in there. Are there other portraits besides hers? Well, Phineas, Nigellus, or whatever his name is. That's true. I'm sure there are other ones. I mean, that seems like their general vibe in that house. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. Me either. But I look forward to coming back to this once we actually get to Grimmauld Place. 
two years from mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this, uh, this goblet, the Goblet of Fire, you know, never trust anything if you can't see where it keeps its brain. I assume it has to have a brain if you can cast a Confoundus charm on it, right? Like, it makes it sound a little sentient, which is like, I also have a lot of questions about. I mean, it has to be. I think it has to be. If you can confound something, it's got a brain to be confounded. So it's got at least some level of sentience. Either that or it's like hacking a, like, computer or something. Mm. So Confoundus Charm cast on a non-sentient but capable of processing object would act sort of like a computer virus or something. I mean, I guess, I don't know, because it's like, so obviously the cup is like taking in the data of like all of these students to compete for the cup and the cup is picking like the best ones by some, I don't know what sort of criteria it's using to do that. But like, I mean, you can basically code a computer to do that same kind of information right within 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 parameters and like spit out like it's compiled all the data so i'm thinking that like if you're if you wanted i don't know if you were able to like get into the code of a computer and be like ignore everyone's name or whatever or like whatever kind of like then it would be like ignore the fact that there are only three schools competing this time you know or something right but I guess that just seems, for me, more horrifying than the fact that of, of it being a sentient cup. Because <laughs> that's just like, I don't know. It's like, I feel there's already ethical questions with the sorting hat. And it's like, you guys have been using this, like, thousand-year-old sentient mm-hmm. cup that's, like, in this, like, elaborate jewel-encrusted, ca- like, casket. Are you still sure about the magic of this? <laughs> yeah. 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 All very troubling questions, I feel like. I think so, too. <laughs> uh, what do you have next? Um, still on the cup is that more evidence for why they should not be using this fucking cup in this situation for the Triwizard Tournament is that they can't turn they can't turn it fucking back on. They're like, oh, well, well, Harry, like, Hogwarts has two champions. Let's just turn the cup back on and resubmit everyone, which I'm like, that actually seems, like, seems fair, honestly. Yeah, totally. But they're like, it doesn't come on to the next tournament. And it's just like, is it like asleep? Is it like, I'm done here. Like, can't you like, I'm just so it's like sentient enough to be like, no, I'm good. You can't do anything about it. And I'm like, why? why? I like, imagine it. It's like the cave of wonders. That's like when it's out of commission, it's just like totally inert, just sleeping. And then you go, you know, whatever do the thing to wake it up and it's like oh for fuck's sake hi what do you want from me they kind of got one of those like bingo tourney things and just or like have everyone take a number and then they're gonna like pull a number or... yeah because they did already only bring their short list from the other schools so right. they could have just right of clearly just like the best students that they had well you know? except for Karkaroff brought like nine not great students in crumb so that crumb would be the one that got picked or you could do that whatever your whatever your strategy is but yeah it could have been like in like in the hunger games movie you just pick out a name out of a basket and it's like yeah you're good mm-hmm. um i'm actually done here so it's all you actually that was my last thing cool we did it in record time i know i'm like are we done already 
We're done already. I guess not a lot. So short. Not a lot of things happen in this chapter. No, even though it's a really long chapter, but it's mostly because of the ellipses. (laughs) (laughs) So much space. So much space is taken up by ellipses. It's like an entire page. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you like this podcast, you should check out our other podcast about queer magic people. It's called Escape from Reality, which is spelled E-S-G-A-Y-P-E, and it's about the Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell. Uh, We just started book two. It's super great. You should check it out. Both of those podcasts are creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. And if you're not already, you should totally follow us on social media. We're both on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. And if you want to check out our merch or anything else, you could go to our website, which is hashtag ruthless.com. If you would like to find me on the internet between episodes, I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi and on my website, which is larkmalachi.com. You can find me on Instagram at Alive from Detroit or on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time. Envy, unctuous, calmly, and thankful, a tangle, a predicament, or a confused and muddled state. <laughs>